This is an ABC podcast. For so long now, I've been on this quest, seeking wisdom from strange shamans and those who have travelled these treacherous hard roads before us. I am determined to keep my pineapple pledge and find answers. What is my calling? What is the perfect job for me? Just a few more steps to the top of this mountain. Here we are, pineapple workmates. Together we've reached this lofty peak. The moment has arrived and I am looking over the mountaintop into the valley of job certainty. Ah, that is not what I expected my career change to look like. We have been on a real journey. We've become super productive. We've conquered imposter syndrome. We've built our growth mindsets and reconnected with our reasons for working. We're growing our networks. We're beating burnout and we're sidestepping horrible bosses. We've learned to leap out of the workforce and back in after having a baby. And believe me, all that work has not gone to waste. But even with all that self-improvement, there is no shame if you're still thinking, deep down, I know I need a change. I'm Claire Hooper, and this is The Pineapple Project, the podcast that makes you better at work. And if you've come along on this wild ride and your work just still isn't sitting right with your values, then we gotcha. That's what this final episode is all about. At last! change your job, switch industries or get a whole new career. Oh yeah, and remember how I made a pledge to work out what I was going to do with my career? Should I just tell you now how that all worked out? No, of course not. That's not how we do things, babe. You've got to wait until the end of the episode. So, if you want to make a change, how do you even work out what you're good at and what you like doing? Tina Papadakis has been helping people answer those questions for years. She's a psychologist who helps people work out what they should be doing for a living. People come to see me when they feel like it's time to make a change, probably not just in their career but in their life, and they're feeling that they know what they don't want to do but they're struggling to work out what, they, what will really be satisfying for them. What are the most common signs that somebody really does need to make a change in their career? I think it's where someone is sustaining a level of unhappiness at work. So it's not something that's just a month in, but, you know, six months in, you're really unhappy. A year in, you keep revisiting, maybe it's time to change. And that doesn't really go away. You're feeling bored. You're not feeling engaged. You don't want to get out of bed and go to work in the morning. You have that sense of dread. It could be things like a relationship breakdown where your financial circumstances change dramatically. You know, if you have an idea as to what you want to do or you've got a goal, hey, go and check it out. That's really important. Don't, you know, get informed about the realities of the job. Find out the requirements in terms of training and skills required. Find out how competitive the industry is and whether it's a growth area or an area that might be in decline. There's heaps of resources online that uh, people can use to gather that information. But more importantly, talk to someone who's doing what you think you want to do. Conduct what we call is an information interview. So that's not asking for a job. It's inviting someone to sit with you at a time that's convenient for them 
to talk to them about what they do. You know, what do they love about the job? What are the challenges in the job? What's uh, What are the skills and levels of experience required? What are the opportunities for growth in this career? What don't you like about the job? What are the realities? And then listen to your intuition and, and what's going on in your gut. So, so at the point where they walk out of your door saying, that's it, I'm going to be a beekeeper. <laughs> the reality was the word beekeeper was floating around in their brain. It, it may well have when been. When they actually walked through the door. But I actually encourage people to think, of multiple options because for any one person there are going to be many options that one person may enjoy. So I tend to try to challenge people to say, great, you've got this idea, but I'm going to challenge you to see if you can come up with three ideas. A client might want to think about things like are there opportunities? You know, one option, plan A may have limited work opportunities, but plan B might be similar but provide more scope for employment. So I try to help clients to think about multiple scenarios, not just one. Okay, thanks, Tina. It's such good advice. Because when you think about it, the only other time people naturally ask you what's next in your career is at the end of high school. And I don't know about you, but when I was at school thinking about what I was going to do with my life, someone handed me a university course guide. (laughs) And it was such a page turner. I'm being sarcastic. Well, let me read to you from a new book. It's about changing jobs. And it starts with the story of Rebecca Lee. It goes like this. Rebecca left school, studied hard and became a social worker. Yeah, so my role was very nine to five and it was very office based as well. So Rebecca really liked her job. I did really enjoy it. It gave me a lot of perspective in life. But deep down, something was missing sometimes feeling quite helpless because of how the system is run. I think not being able to provide a solution. Then, plot twist, life came at her fast. At 28, um, a few things changed in my life. Um, I ended a major relationship. thought it would be a good time to quit my job and decide what to do. Rebecca had a few options. Would she go overseas? Study more? or stick around and hope for the best. So I ended up buying a one-way ticket to India. She started travelling from country to country. She burnt through her savings, classic move, worked odd jobs and, really importantly, started to think about what actually made her feel alive. I know I wanted to work with people still. I spent a lot of time in nature, so I thought that, you know, how could I work immersed in nature? She spent a week working for a florist and it got her thinking. Being in a shop didn't appeal to me either. I knew I loved working with flowers, so that was just the seed. One day, she met a mysterious random who would change the course of her life. An events florist. They told Rebecca all about the job. It involved working with flowers and bringing people joy, but it didn't involve being in a shop. That was the day that I remember deciding that's exactly what I want to do and that is my dream career. It was everything Rebecca was looking for. She decided... Oh, uh, uh, wait, this page is stuck. Okay, she decided to write to all the events florists in the land and ask them for work. It was cheaper than studying and slowly but surely they responded. Want to work this wedding? This gala needs flowers, stat. I was just thrown into it. It all lined up really perfectly. What do you do now? I am an events (laughs) (laughs) The end. Rebecca knew she was in the wrong job. 
and spent time and money searching for a new one. But that method isn't going to work for everybody. Meet Sharon Ward. She doesn't like to get caught up in job titles. For Sharon, work's about always being interested and always improving. Let me tell you, this woman is busy and she's had a lot of jobs. Chef, medical receptionist, business administration, coordinating role in aged care, transport officer, photographer, justice of the peace. Sharon, you rattle off these jobs like all of the transitions were really easy. Was, <laughs> yes. w- was there some effort involved in making such kind of sideways steps in your career? Oh, um, yeah, well, along, along with the, the different jobs, you know, I studied along the way too so I could catch up with what they needed me to do and that, that was really good. Study aside, Sharon genuinely loves people, talking to them, hearing from them. This makes her a natural networker. So when it's time to try something new, Sharon's got a willing and ready group of people to help her do it. From those networking, I was able to move into all those different roles so so easily kind of thing. Remember when we heard from Business Chick CEO Emma Isaacs back in Episode 3? People think networking is what you do when you're looking for a new job and it's like you're trying to take something from someone. But really, if you can try and be altruistic about it and look at it like, I'm trying to make a new friend, I'm trying to give something to someone, I'm trying to be a valuable colleague here and I'm trying to build my own brand, then it's not such a dirty thing. It's just a lovely thing that you do for others and it's something that does honestly work for you and your career and for your personal brand as well. Yeah, Sharon's doing that. And she's not done yet. Right now... Sharon's back to working as a chef, but she's training to do something pretty different. Yes, yes, driving the um, haul trucks out at the mine. What? Yeah, yeah, those what? big giant ones. So, um, <laughs> so I've done every single stage of up to the because there's five Hang on, stages. Why? What? I'm sorry, not like as in that sounds great, but I'm trying to build up a picture of you and you've just you've just made a really sharp left-hand turn again. So yeah. in and in a very big truck. What, so why did you choose that? Well, there's no real reason. I just I just always wanted to drive one and um I like you know, I I've never no, that'll do. That'll do. I just always wanted to drive one. That's fine. Yes. Sharon, you're so bloody motivated. Psychologist Tina Papadakis says this attitude of being open to new things and connecting with what motivates you, that's what you need to be satisfied in your career. It can be as simple as perhaps thinking about keeping a journal for a couple of weeks. And in your journal, what you might decide to do is write down all the times in the day when you feel energised and feel satisfied or in a state of what we would call flow, where you're really immersed and engaged in what you're doing so you lose track of time, you know, document it, write down, reflect, do it daily, you know, also document the aspects of your life that are creating grief, you know, where you're not enjoying them, you're not engaged. And then see if in a couple of weeks after keeping that sort of journal, you can just sit in a space and have a look at it, have a look at the patterns. That in itself might give you some really good ideas as to what the issues are for you. What are a few first questions you could just ask yourself to get a sense of whether you're needing to make a change? Well, I think it would be more about tapping into how you're feeling every day. Yeah. You know, how how are you feeling about life? When are you feeling uh, good about things? Is it about the hobby that you've got outside of work or is it 
some aspect of work that you enjoy. Is there nothing about work that you enjoy anymore? Yes. You know, yeah, when you uh, see it as a, a sick baby and you're like, oh, I wonder if I could catch that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're good signs. So I think it's just being honest with yourself and being brave enough to think about doing something else because it takes a lot of energy to make a change, but it can be very rewarding thing to do. So if you've decided to make a change, how do you do that safely? I mean, most people don't they don't have the luxury of just quitting their job so that oh, they can sure. spend three years studying for the next one. How do you make a change? Well, the good news is if it does require some commitment to study, you know, a lot of adults are returning to study now and they're often, you know, there is the option of doing it online. There are a lot of study options that are available in the evenings and really thinking about how you might make that work because if you're working full time, you certainly have to factor in, can you make room for this study and can you get the other people around you on board to support you? So I think it's really helpful if you do have a family to have them support you in that process and recognise you may not have the time that you had previously for all the things you used to do. Can you get their support to make it work for you? So online study, study in the evenings, there are block programs, there are lots of options for returning to study. Can you negotiate so you you work part-time? You know, it may not be about quitting your job. It may be about saying, can I reduce my hours so that I can factor in some study? You might even find that if you have a conversation with your current employer, they may support you in that. You have an idea in mind? Here's Tina's advice for how to get there. It's a matter of starting with the baby steps. You know, if you're thinking about a career change and you've done some some of those information interviews, as I suggested earlier, you understand yourself better because you've done some reflecting, you understand the industry that might appeal to you or the range of industries that might appeal to you because you've done your homework there and you've done your research and you've talked to people who are industry-based. It's amazing how those conversations create opportunities. Thanks, Tina. Okay, so now you're getting a bit of an idea of what you want. It's time to do a bit of digging and find out which employers can give you that. And look, you hear a lot about the pay gap between men and women But how much do you really know about what motivates women to get up every day and go to work? When Professor Ray Cooper started looking into this, she discovered that there had been more research into which robots were most likely to take out jobs than there was into what women want from their jobs. So along with a bunch of other super smart researchers, she's been conducting a massive study into women and the future of work. Women are onto this. This is the first generation where they are very highly qualified. So have a look at how is your employer treating you? What's your work context like in terms of how your leaders and your managers are meeting your needs? And what sort of flexibilities are you after? What sorts of things do you want to do in your life outside of your work? And then just look at your current work context and see if that meets your needs. If it doesn't, do what these women are doing and telling us in their study and actually try to seek out work teams, particular jobs and occupations, look at training that will get you into the type of situation that you think will actually work for you. And what else did you find that women want? What is Mm. it that they want from their work? And we don't think anyone's actually asked women about this before, which is I think is quite fascinating. But when we ask them, thinking about a future job, what are the key elements of that job that you would really value? And the two things that stood out, we have, I want a job in which I'm treated with respect. 
and I think that's interesting. At the same level, there's I want a job where I have um, security of employment. Yeah, so strong aspirations there to be in a job that they can stick around in and, and develop in and strong aspirations to be not treated poorly when they're in them. You know, the third thing, they want a well-paid job which I think is interesting because we often talk about women wanting, you know, things that are very, very different, that women seek the sort of social stuff out of work more than we assume, I think, men want. But, you know, they want well-paid jobs. You make it sound so easy. I do, don't I? But <laughs> I, think, I think it is very, very challenging. And one thing we do know about women who are struggling in their work context, particularly, for example, around flexibility, is we know that women will often say, oh, bugger it, I just cannot make this work. And they will often go for a job that meets their needs in terms of the flexibility that they need, particularly when they've got little kids. And they'll move into a job that's below their skill set, below their previous pay level. But you don't just want flexibility that's kind of in a job that is not well paid or is flexible in a way that meets the needs of your employer and not yours. Happily enough, I think some employers are starting to cotton on to the fact that they actually need to keep um, young women engaged at that those particularly acute uh, moments in their career. You know, I, I probably would say, have a look at what you need, but don't give up and maybe just put some pressure on and come up with some options that, that can work. And if it doesn't work, then that's when you walk and go and find another good employer that's, that's able to sort of recognise your skills and, and what you can bring to the organisation. Right. So don't just dream of respect and pay and flexibility as individual things, dream of having no. them all in the one job. Right, absolutely. And also see it as a structural thing because this is not individual. There's not one woman out there who's having a baby and taking a break. There's not one woman out there who's feeling that they're disrespected in their mm. in their workplace and, you know, feeling challenged by it. This is a lot of people. So a good job is not one thing. A good job is not just pay. A good job is not just the hours that you work. A good job is, is a big package of things and that's what women are saying to us. Thanks, Professor Cooper. It's really interesting research and we'll put a link to the study in our pineapple show notes at abc.net.au forward slash pineapple in case you want to check it out. So here we are at the end of another season of The Pineapple Project. So at the start of this season, I was looking for a really big epiphany and I was expecting it, goddammit. And here's the thing. I would have been really frustrated to say this to myself at the start of the season, but it looks different to what I expected. My epiphany is that if you want your work life to look dramatically different in 12 months, number one, it's going to take a lot of work. And number two, it might not be about what you add, but what you take away. I don't know exactly what this podcast has done for me, but all I know is I had the confidence and the clarity to say no to something that for 10 years has been a major part of my calendar. Like for over a decade, I've been doing the comedy festival circuit in Australia every year. And this year I just said no because it doesn't make me happy and I want to spend more time with my family. And so I thought I was going to find out what I wanted to do and all I found out was what I don't want to do. But you know what? That's actually more helpful because all of a sudden I've got the time and space to try out all the things I do love. I'm writing kids' books. I'm researching subjects that I'm interested in and I'm going to check back with you in 12 months after I've bunkered down and done some really hard work. What, why are you looking at me like that? You've never had an old friend get really deep and meaningful on you? Oh, hang on. 
I've just realised I've got to share this very important news with a very important person. Yeah. Who's that player? Mm. Walking down the hall. Uh-huh. She's carrying a folder. Oh. I'm going to give her a call. Yeah. What wife or husband? Because it's not a gendered term, guys. That's the way I like to work it. Yeah. Wife. Hello, Virginia Trioli. Work wife. It's me, Claire Hooper. Guess what? I'm not going anywhere. I know, darling. I've been listening to the podcast. You listened? You do love me. I'm really proud of you, Hoops. You've come an enormously long way. Well done. And the best part is now you get to tell me that every day in person. And how can I ever say no to you? Oh, thanks for everything, work wife. All right, thanks. Take care. She does love me. Mmm, that's how you work your wife. Yeah. We've all come so far. And that might not be enough for you. Like Sharon and Rebecca, you might need to work towards a total change. From a social worker to a florist, from a chef to driving trucks in the mines, your dream job might be way removed from what you're doing. But it's also okay if the change that makes you happy is more subtle. It might be learning to stand up for yourself in the job you're in. It might be starting out on your own. It might just be campaigning for a bit more flexibility at work. And as long as you are connecting with what is meaningful to you about the work you are doing, you're going to be all right. I'd love to hear about the changes you've been inspired to make and how are you going with your pledges, those ones you made at the beginning of the season. Call me and tell me about your pledges, about your progress and your plans. 1300 641 or send me an email, pineapple at abc.net.au. I'm Claire Hooper. This is The Pineapple Project and together we're making work sweeter and less of a prick to deal with. Hooper out! Roll the credits! The Pineapple Project is mixed by sound engineer John Jacobs. Time to sashay into my dream job, teaching salsa. It's produced by Carla Arnold. I spilled coffee on your laptop. The show's executive producers are... Monique Bowley. Virginia Trioli. Does she need a new work wife? Justine Kelly. Here's something you could all do. Stop micromanaging me. And Rachel Fountain. Four words. Pineapple Project feature film. Hopes there'll be a bidding war. Kelly Reardon is the manager of ABC Audio Studios. Hey guys, love it, but like, can you just rein that in a notch? And this is a production of ABC Audio Studios. Listener.